everybody, and welcome to episode one of the War Banner podcast, where we're dropping ass banner. I'm Faden, and I'm joined by my co-host, Darthurd. Yes, hello. This is going to be a gaming podcast. One more of the uh, endless number of podcasts, and one more of the endless number of gaming podcasts. And I figure we'll start by introducing ourselves a little bit. Darthurd, would you care to go first? Uh, sure, yeah, so... Darthurd. Uh, been going around for shit, I don't know, probably 20 plus years with gaming. Started when I was a little kid, just haven't stopped. I'm kind of in the same boat. I remember the first games I remember playing were for my dad's Sega Genesis. I think that was the, the Black Sega. I can't really remember. Like, we had Jurassic Park and that weird helicopter game and all that. Uh, but the game I remember most playing, like, first was Tim Schafer's Full Throttle, that, that point-and-click motorcycle gang one. <laughs> I don't know why. That was a lot of fun, and I still play it to this day sometimes since they uh, redid it on uh, PC a couple of years ago. Like, they remastered a whole bunch of those. Um, I guess we should... The, probably the first thing we should get into is why the podcast name is The War Banner. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of funny. Years ago, uh, you and I... I can't really remember. We had always talked, but I think one day you had told me that you had started playing WoW again, and we just never talked about it, right? Yeah, it was... Um, I had a friend of mine, um, well, a co-worker, that I had met... Um, he was talking about WoW and then eventually convinced me to try it again back in, uh, I think it was Cataclysm, but you didn't come back until Mists, I believe it was, right? The yeah. end of Mists? Yeah. I didn't come back till the end of Mists. Actually, I think that's what it was. We hadn't connected with each other until like 2014, 13, maybe, because we hadn't talked since the beginning of Lich King. Because we didn't have each other on Steam. Like, all we had each other was on what used to be, like, the old Battle.net back then. And then you were telling me you were playing, and I came back and started leveling quickly. Um, I leveled, like, a bunch of stuff, too. I leveled a warrior and then, like, a paladin. And I was just kind of super interested in how the world had changed. Because I quit halfway through Wrath of the Lich King. Because I, you know, every, all of my other friends had quit. And I kind of got bored of it because it was... I don't know. I just... I was kind of done with it, and then you got me back. And the biggest thing I remember is leveling that warrior and like going through and doing the legendary cloak cloak quest. Uh, but it had an ability. Now, do you remember if the ability was before or after the pre patch? I think it was pretty sure it was before the pre patch. Right, and it was a um, uh, just a talent, right? I think it was proc based, wasn't it? I can't remember. I, 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 no, because I, I, I think could, it was proc based. I could choose to drop it. I remember that. Oh, and you, oh, you mean war? Yeah, war banner. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah, that was a, that was a that was a skill or a talent or whatever. Yeah. I can't remember the specifics, but after I got max level, you and I would do dungeons, and this is Miss of Pandaria dungeons, and before the uh, the stat squish, so everything was kind of stupid. Like we would go into a dungeon, and I would watch you just run from beginning to end, pulling everything doing more damage than all the DPS and also out healing whatever healer we had. We didn't really need a healer to do dungeons at that point. Yeah, no, no, like I would never die. Yeah. 
But I was playing the warrior, but an ass banner did something crazy. I'm sure it increased people's damages. It was almost like a bloodlust that had a damage and crit increase, if I remember right. I could be totally wrong about that, but it was yeah. useful. I, yeah, I remember. I think it was because I think it was used in conjunction with um, Berserk. Berserk or uh, Recklessness. Um, yeah. And then when you dropped it, I think it was a crit buff and some um, just damage increase, I believe. For everybody near the banner, too. Yes. Yeah. So I remember we, we just took to calling it, like, in the middle of dungeon, we call it Ass Banner. And then we started calling it in raids and all that. So that's that's kind of where we get the name from. Um, we were just trying to come up with names because we tried this once before with a different name, but we didn't want to reuse that name. And so War Banner seemed more fitting than Ass Banner, but, you know, anytime we're dropping Ass Banner, it's just that we're trying to get that little extra juice to get the boss down <laughs> ass banner juice anyway it's a good segue into, into how we met though uh we met playing world of warcraft in burning crusade yeah good old bc yeah, we were oh well, i had come over to the server because i knew one of the main tanks i knew one of the main tanks on my old server and he actually you know tried to bring me over because he knew I had leveled a paladin to 70 as a healer. And I came over, my paladin was very geared, and my first raid was <laughs> Tempest Keep with like a couple blues and I think like a green. And you Wait, came up they, and licked me. They, they took you into TK. I don't remember you being in TK with blues and greens. What the hell? My first raid on my paladin as a healer was TK. And I was in like, I had purples because I had done some Kara. If I can remember right, because I was healing over on Anderhal, and then when we I transferred over to um Nazjatar, like I'd you know I hadn't finished Kara on that character if I remember right. Maybe I had, maybe I'd gotten close, but well I guess as a healer it's it's not it you can get away with that a little more. But like I I don't remember. So I was already in the 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 guild when yeah. you showed up? Oh right. okay. You like, were already I, there. You're yeah, right, because I, I came in when, when TK started. I remember the first piece of loot I got was like a male <laughs> belt because it was better than the green I was wearing. <laughs> uh, and you ran up to me and then you licked me at some point. And then I don't really know how we got talking from there, but we eventually did and ended up as friends and did all sorts of fun shit later on. You know, yeah. you ended up leveling a paladin. We would go through and we would do Stratholme because we both liked it. and We both, you know. We could sell arcane tomes, but we really wanted the mount. I remember that. I remember us really wanting the damn mount from there. Never got it though. I mean, I got it eventually, but that was yeah. I think I, yeah, I think I ended up getting it. Um, Cataclysm, I don't think had the the tanking bags, but with mists, I think that's how I got it. Was through the tanking bags um, from doing random dungeons. Yeah, I, I think I just like kept doing it until I ended up getting it. But that's kind of, I mean, that's how we met. And that's one of the passions that I think we shared is that we both really enjoy World of Warcraft. Maybe not so much lately what it's become. And unfortunately, not so much even classic, really. I think the original start to classic was was good and okay. But you can tell the popularity's kind of starting to fall off with BC and kind of curious to see how Lich King goes. I want to play it. But, you know, you and I have had discussions prior to putting anything on recording about how you know, the 
decision making that they do and you know some of the other stuff that's obviously gone on this last year kind of makes it hard to even want to support them as a business yeah exactly and and then just now it's kind of it's a little harder to get into it like you know back then when you know shoot i think it was either late junior high or early high school this one probably early high school um when a friend got me into it and like that was the first time I ever saw a game in that aspect, you know, so like something that major. Um, I don't think I even had even played Morrowind yet. Um, I, I could be wrong, but um, like the music and then just like all the questing and all that, like it was like this completely unknown world and it was like incredibly fascinating to me. And then, you know, as you learn, you get better and better, but then starting the whole rating and all that, and then just the the group of people we had, it was extremely fun. Um, but nowadays with, you know, when we tried um, DC Classic, uh, again, with the stuff they were, they're doing now, which is annoying. Um, but then seeing how it's that, that whole mystery, like obviously is gone, right? Because there's all these years of people theory crafting and learning what's the best. And to me, that's like just killed it a little bit. It's it's no longer um, that, that that mystery is no longer there, and so it's I'm like, eh, it's kind of hard to get back into. I completely agree with that because just when I was playing this last year, like leveling that paladin for BC, you know, when we were playing together, and I was doing some of it on my own, I remember going through southern stranglethorn which is one of my favorite zones as a kid and i would like have something on in the background and i'd be leveling but it was fun because you know i didn't really know what i was doing apart from like i knew how to do the quests i knew how to do them quickly i knew how to like kill mobs and avoid pulling other mobs but when i was playing it last year like i tried to kind of recreate that and you can't and i think part of it and there are streamers and youtubers who have covered this is that life isn't the same as it was when that was happening like i didn't really have anything else better to do when i was leveling that paladin when i was a kid because i was a kid and it's all i wanted to do all i wanted to do was play wow because i wanted to learn more and play it more and all that and now like i don't know now when i play it i feel like i'm kind of wasting time or what's worse and i didn't think this was going to be the case especially with classic is that i've done this already like i don't feel like i need to do it again I've got great memories of Burning Crusade where it was with a bunch of friends that, you know, we raided with. I made a bunch of friends, lifelong friends like you, you know, and we had a lot of good times and all that. But like trying to get back into that and do that and the, the time commitment, it's just it's too much. You know, I feel like that's part of the reason it's just too much, uh, too much work to really like get into it and take it seriously. And, and do I even really want to, you know? Oh, no, yeah. I, I noticed that a little bit, too, because normally I would actually have fun leveling a character. Um, but this time around, it was a little bit of a pain. Um, and at the same time, I didn't remember, like, my typical route, so it was kind of harder to also um, plan around where you had to go and all that. Yeah, I mean, but that was the other thing, too. Like, back in the day, it was anecdotal about, like, eh, this is where you should go. This is, like, the best, you know, route you take and all that. But now it's like, well, you just download Questy and 
Questy will tell you where to go, or you, you know, <laughs> yeah. get Joanna's guide, and Joanna's guide will tell you where to go the fastest. And it's like, ah, but that's that wasn't what was fun. That was that wasn't like being a kid and like you know playing Alliance for the first time because I was stupid and didn't realize I should play the Horde, um, and like being in Red Ridge Mountains and going in north, and all of a sudden you're in the burning steps and you're getting like fucked up by mobs. Like, oh, I guess I can't come here yet. Like, I can't yeah, wait to exactly. go there one day, but like, I can't like stand this Lord of the Rings zone. You know? <laughs> Well, and then it was like, like um, I had mentioned, it was like that mystery and, you know, stepping in, like, you know, listening to the Terrace Ball Glade music, you know, when you're questing out as an undead and seeing that whole world. And it's just like all that was like, it was just so amazing back then. And now it's just like, OK, it's par for the course. <laughs> it's not really like, again, that, that whole aspect of it is gone. I think the other part of it is that, you know, you get so used to it. Like, we're used to it. Like, Tears Fall Glades is not any different than the Tears Fall Glades that uh, we saw 15 years ago, 16 years ago, however long ago. I don't, I don't, it makes me feel yeah. old when we talk about it like that. But however long ago, like, it really isn't any different. And, you know, that's one of the reasons why I like or liked current WoW is because, in a way, Things did change and do get different, but unfortunately, the direction that the game has gone is just terrible. And we can always get into that later. We have other topics we want to cover, but Warcraft, I mean, the podcast name gets its namesake from a World of Warcraft ability. We'll probably talk about it more, but I would oh. say to transition into one of the other things is what I, uh, what I wanted us to talk about is our favorite games. That's probably near the top for both of us in, in some aspect or another. Maybe not so much anymore, but it's one of those things where it's kind of... It's always going to be up there, and we always hope it's better, and we always hope it changes. Um, but right now, like I said, uh, uh, there's tons of people who have talked about it and will continue to talk about it. Blizzard and World of Warcraft is where it needs to be right now. But with that, I want to ask you, uh, Darth, what is your favorite game, or give me a few of your favorite games. I think that might be better, because it's so hard to pick, like, an all-time favorite, unless you have one. Yeah, I have to say, if there's the games that have had the biggest impact, it would probably be Morrowind, um, and then probably Final Fantasy Tactics, um, slash Final Fantasy VII, and um, Resident Evil 2, I would say. That's fair. I would say, we'll get into that, but I would say my favorite and the one that's had the most impact on me is probably Mass Effect 2. I mean, I decided to write three books because of that game and because of how perfectly that game was executed. I think Dragon Age Origins is up there. I'm not going to make it a Bioware list. but uh, And then the Total War games kind of came out of nowhere in the last, I guess, six years for me. They've kind of blown me away as to what like a strategy game can be. It's one of the things I've just spent the most time with. And think of oh, yeah, else. I would agree with that. Like, yeah. Uh, my only real, um, before Warhammer, or the Total War, um, the whole aspect was just uh, the RTS, so we're talking just StarCraft, basically. Yeah. Um, and then uh, you introduced me to, well, I had seen it, and I um, I remember looking at the price and be like, God damn. Um, but then you got it, and convinced me to, to look into it more 
and then from there, yeah, and then however many, probably thousand hours or something like that already have in it. Well, what I thought was interesting was that we were both playing Vermintide 2 at the time because it had just come out. Oh, right. And I thought that was going to be the game we played because, you know, it's kind of like Left 4 Dead, but in a fantasy setting. And then I had been telling you that I was playing Total War Warhammer 2, and we eventually ended up trying it. We've done a couple co-op campaigns together, so... It's hard, though, because the the co-op campaigns, especially in 2, were a little difficult, but in 3, they feel better. We're just kind of waiting for content. We'll get into that a little bit later. But that one's definitely changed my perspective of what a strategy game could be, because as much as I liked StarCraft 2, because I didn't really play the original StarCraft, and I loved uh, Age of Empires, especially Age of Empires 2... Age of Mythology, yeah. Oh, how could I forget Age of Mythology? Age of Mythology is probably another one that's at least influential. Maybe not one of my favorites, but like out of all the strategy games I played, apart from the Total War series, that's probably my favorite from those like that old style. Yeah, I even had fun just reading like their little lore tidbits on the units and like the gods and everything. It was so cool. Um, But yeah, and then the storyline, well, it's, I mean, it's, pretty meh but i mean back then it was fun and shit yeah it was cool and you got all these units i mean my favorite thing was like whenever i wasn't playing a campaign was building up like these massive bases and things like that that were just beautiful like you'd get uh you know the uh, if you're playing the greeks you could get the plenty building like building farms around that and encasing everything in walls around there like you know not really worried about fighting the opponent just building a giant like decadent city really my favorite things um I can't really think of anything else off the top of my head that's my favorite. I, I was hoping Cyberpunk would creep up there, and it, it kind of is and kind of isn't. Um, Witcher 3 is always a good one to put up there, too. It's a great game. But no, I'd say Mass Effect 2, probably out of all of those, is the, the game that's my favorite and you know the most influential in my life. So... Um, but you said some of the Final Fantasy games. What was it that you liked? You said Tactics and Seven. Yeah, it's just the um, before I even like you know that time before you're actually cognizant, you know, when you're younger about like actual game stories. Um, and you, besides, you just playing it because you know it looked fun and it was flashy. Right. Um, tactics, Final Fantasy Tactics and Seven. Um, I played because it was just like the really great music. And then it was just fun watching stuff. But then, you know, as I got older and I was actually able to, you know, understand what was going on, um, they became, it's just like decent, really fun stories. And then um, even to this day, it's like, you know, occasionally I'll hear something that sounds similar to like a sound effect from one of those games. Um, Morrowind is in that, in that aspect. Um, and then it will just like trigger, like you know, all the nostalgia shit. And so, like, I'll, I'll start remembering parts and then, you know, chuckling to myself and all that. My favorite thing is when I, like, sometimes I'll get these weird, like, recommends on YouTube or, you know, be on Reddit or something. And somebody will say, hey, you should try and, you know, look at this, right? And you do. And it's using, like, a video game soundtrack. Like, I think there was an episode of Top Gear or something where they used one of the Mass Effect soundtracks, like, to show off a car. <laughs> It's just like, what is oh, really? this? It's crazy. And you know they had to like go through and license it. They couldn't just use it. So Yeah. I, I know they've used um Total War uh Rome 
music because because that won like a crazy and then that's a, that's an amazing soundtrack right um and i think they've used that multiple times um along with uh that game that came out um i don't remember what year it was but dante's inferno yeah um they they used cutscenes from it to like because they were talking about hell or or uh or maybe they were actually talking about like dante's inferno like the book Sure. But they were using scenes from that game, like to like describe hell and stuff. It was funny. <laughs> I yeah, you know, I love it when when stuff like that shows up in other media, though, because it just shows like how influential games are becoming in society. I mean, it's you know, it's becoming more and more compared to I think when we were younger, like just integrated with daily life. Obviously, with all the esports teams you see, and it's just becoming a bigger part of the culture. But I do love to see stuff like that, especially because you know a, a soundtrack game is so good that you can integrate it with what it is you know other mediums are doing if that makes sense oh yeah 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 uh i kind of want to transition to what we'll talk about on this podcast obviously anybody who's been listening for the last 20 minutes know we're talking about video games but ideally we'd like to talk about games the games industry and occasionally do reviews about games as they come out you know nothing super formal you know ever make any videos or anything like that it's a possibility we could definitely talk about games that we've played in here um and then also the games industry as a whole it's constantly changing and the you know the other thing about it is that it's not always the most positive environment though i am of the belief at this point uh that things are trending to be more positive after some of the things that have happened with activision blizzard and that kind of shedding light on what some of the other companies in the industry are doing i'm hopeful for the future and at the very least if not for the companies as they exist now for the companies that are being kind of formed from the remnants of old development teams that have left uh, their studios you know because they don't want to do business with the leadership or ownership of those studios anymore you know blizzard activision blizzard has probably spawned four studios i think from just ex-developers and people who don't work there anymore um, people who got out maybe because they didn't like the way decisions were being made. I don't know, but I think it's important to cover stuff like that too, because you never know, you know, what studio is going to make the next game that you absolutely fall in love with. And maybe it's not even a big studio or maybe it's not even a small studio. You know, you don't know. Maybe it's just a small indie game that you find on steam that we hear about so often, like the Stardew Valleys and the FTLs and games like that. So I think that's, uh, what we'd like to cover, sometimes we're going to go off topic, sometimes we're going to talk about maybe shows, maybe movies, other stuff we've seen, music, for example. Mainly games, but, you know, we're people. It's not the only thing we do. And we're going to go off topic quite a bit, I think. I think so. That's just how, how him, you know, Darth and I talk to each other. So Let's transition over to our first topic of our first episode, and that it would be the Warhammer 3 release. Total War, Warhammer 3 came out about two weeks ago, I think. 17th of February, that sounds about right. Yes. So maybe three weeks at this point. And it's kind of had a little bit of a rocky start. Do you think that's fair to stay? Say? Oh, yeah, easily. It's uh, great um, in certain senses. I can definitely tell that once, you know, they iron out the little kinks here, well, little, quote-unquote, um, 
And then as we get more content, it's going to be absolutely amazing. Like once it gets to the, the level of um, patches and everything that we had for Warhammer 2, um, not at the end, but, you know, a little halfway past its, its uh, lifespan, then I think we're going to look at something pretty good, pretty amazing. I agree. That was the thing about Warhammer 2, was like you were never really totally done with it because it would be, you know, constantly updated. It kept pulling me back every time there was a DLC update, but then it just kept pulling me back because it was like, well, I want to try out this Lord because I've never done this or I've never, you know, experienced the, their unique mechanics. Um, and then when you have that whole giant map to play with in two, and just any choice, like, do you want to go over to Ulthwan as like the orcs and like take it over? Or, you know, do you want to be the Skaven and work your way up to the empire like you can like or the tomb kings even that's one i i wanted to do but never did was like take over the empire as the tomb kings you know i thought that would be really cool but it's that kind of fantasy within those games that keeps bringing people back uh, and i think it's difficult with three right now because three has a combination of problems going on with it right now it's not a bad game by any stretch there are things that probably aren't tuned correctly um a lot of bug fixes need to be, you know, made. Like we were playing a co-op campaign a couple of weeks ago where I was playing as Slanesh and you were playing as was it, was it the ogres. The ogres, yeah, right. the ogres. And what we do is that we go into battles and you can gift units to a spectator so they can control part of your army. And so I would always give Darthur my cav, basically anything that I didn't want to maneuver, so I could kind of focus on the Lord and you know the, the front line and microing the Lord. And the secret chariots, you know, the big uh, spiky chariots that look like they should really deal some damage, like, they didn't, they don't do much. Like, they'll run into a unit, they can break past a line, they can run over a bunch of people, and then people get right back up. Whereas you'd think, like, if you were that fast, and, like, you had that kind of mass, and you were rolling through a unit, like, you should be rolling through, and there should be people stuck to the spikes of your wheels. Yeah, exactly. That's, yeah. But that's, that's not what happens. And, and cavalry and... You know, chariots have always kind of had some problems in the Total War games, but I think right now in 3, for the most part, they're, depending on what it is, they're completely broken. Like, remember when, when Torox came out in 2, and was it the Razor Gore, or was it the War Gores that were broken? It was the, no, it was the, the Razor Gores, the, the ones that, um, uh, that aren't as, they were like the tier below the, the ones they had, um. I can't remember the names of the, the damn pigs. Yeah, but they would they were like just brutal. They would wreck everything they came into contact with. I don't know. Sometimes I think we need to start with like this unit is way too strong and maybe work our way back a little bit versus like, I don't know. I don't know anybody who would have saw that and said, yeah, this seems right. Like we just wanted to like knock around units all the time, but it's not going to do a lot of damage. Like, the most <laughs> yeah, exactly. It should be. I mean, if you're playing a Slanesh, you should in some ways hit harder than some corn units but you know be a glass cannon unfortunately no I, th I think that's exactly how they should be playing it's yeah. just they're extremely fast and then they hit incredibly hard on the charge um or like in a you know anvil and a hammer situation but um and then if if not backed up by something then they'll you know get blown through uh and like sustain yeah. combat they get bogged down. I mean, speed is their speed is their greatest weapon. So if they ever get bogged down, they should probably be you know 
killed pretty instantly. But that's just kind of one problem. I mean, Slanesh is overall pretty good. I don't think the magic is particularly great. Like, the whip is okay. But it's, you know, I've noticed in this iteration, um, it seems like every faction sort of starts with a breath. Like, Zinch has that, you know, purple milkshake of Zinch and... Faye has the dragon spray and, um, you know, Kislev has the frost or tempest magic, things like that. But they're not all like the same. You know, they're very different as far as how much damage they do. And Slaanesh's is, is just okay uh, versus, you know, I think Cathay's is really strong and Zinch's is fucking stupid strong. Um, yeah. And that's fine. I think some should be stronger than the others, and but they should also have, you know, uh, other abilities that make up for it where it counts. And uh, we could go into what other factions need, but that's some of the most blatant issues right now is that some units just don't work. Like the CD. and of course, on top of little crashes and stuff, people are experiencing and the, <laughs> the weird stutters at the end of turns. Yeah, that, that's the thing, too. There is a weird stutter that I've definitely experienced where the turn will end. And this is really only if it's later in the campaign, I think, after you discovered like a few more people in your surroundings, is that it'll lag, 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 and then we'll go back to normal. I'm not really sure what causes that. The game does not like to alt-tab. You can crash in an alt-tab. Don't alt-tab if you're loading a battle or if you're coming out of a battle, because you'll have to fight it again, because uh, it'll pretty much always crash. Um, some of the stuff with the UI is off where, you know, the unit is like, if you're going to recruit a unit and you look at the description for me, that description is like pushed up halfway up the page. So you can't even see the unit's name or some of the stuff up top or the flavor text for it. Uh, yeah, I think I've seen that, um, a little bit, but I'm also with the game I've been playing that happens too. So I might be confusing it. Um, but I think I've experienced that. Uh, playing in windowed mode doesn't work very well right now in full screen. Sometimes the mouse will click things that aren't there. You know, it's, it's kind of like the, the where the mouse is located versus where uh, you're actually clicking is different. So I don't know if that, that's a problem. I mean, it's it's got a lot, of, a lot of tiny little bugs that are happening with it right now that I think can be fixed easily. And, uh, you know, Creative Assembly just released something yesterday where they were saying, we're trying to fix these bugs as soon as possible. We understand that uh, other people want more content. They want other things fixed right now. They got to get the game where it's in a playable state for as many people as possible. And then I think from there, I don't know, we'll probably start seeing some of these other changes that we want to see with the campaign and, and you know, with the factions in general. Uh, I kind of want to keep talking about the races and what's good about them and what's not. I've completed three campaigns so far. I've completed the Demon Prince's first. Then I completed uh, Miao Yang's as Cathay. And then I completed uh, uh, Zarina Katarin's as Kislev. I played most of the Order ones. I don't know if you would consider Ogre's Order. I think they're their own thing. And just based off of those three, the Lords in Kislev and Cathay are way stronger the Demon Prince is such a cool idea and such a fun idea. And honestly, I think he 
out of all the chaos factions, he can potentially have the strongest armies because he can recruit all of the units, from what I understand, from each faction. Um, but he just can't get them like all the, you know, it's weird. He can't give them all the bonuses that a, a lord would give, like the specialized bonuses for, you know, the, the specialized units of each faction, Korn, Slanash, Nurgle, Zinch. But he can build some pretty crazy strong armies. Like you could, if you really wanted Exalted Plague Bears to be your front line and you wanted a bunch of like Chaos Warriors and Korn to sneak around the back and have, you know, Exalted Pink Horrors too, like you could. And that's a really strong army. I never had any issues with his army, but I had huge issues with him as a demon prince. He's just weak. He's his research tree and his, you know, his skill point tree, I guess if you can call it that, isn't very good. And the abilities that they gave him, which are based off of his armor, do not make up for having a lack of skill trees. I don't know. I don't know if you've played with him at all, but what do you think of that so far, just from what you've seen? Well, I would agree with that a bit because I think um, his concept of the whole, you know, build a demon thing is fairly fun, but I think it would have been better served as something down the road. Um, personally, I think they should have had Bellacor as the, as the ninth legendary lord. And then when they finally released the human portion of all the demons um at that point then add in a demon prince concept where you can customize your own and all that but like not just you know one single demon prince um give it for everyone and so you would have a uh like kind of a you would have your legendary lord whoever that would be um, but then you would have a generic lore that you could also pick up and then they could advance if that, just like how the, the current, um, demon, um, generic lords do, you know, they start off as a, I think it'd be exalted or whatever, uh, forms. And then at, I think it's 15 or 17, then they get the option to then turn into a greater demon. And so uh, I would say it'd probably be a similar situation. So you would have a you know, generic human lord that at 15 or 17, whatever the same thing is, then they get the option to then become, or actually I'll probably extend a little bit more, but then they would be able to, they would have the option to then turn into a demon prince. And um, that I think would have been a bit better than just the uh, the current guy and the current aspect they have him in right now. Yeah, I agree. And I'm never one to you know, say any customization is bad because i love more customization and i think them doing customization with the demon demon prince is kind of them like leaning into um you know a little bit of XCOM and all that i would just like to see it more with you know the other armies like even if it's not the legendary lords though i would like that i would like to be able to customize their armor and how they look and things like that even if it's not necessarily related to stats right like it would be cool to change the armor color or the faction color of a faction that you're playing if you don't like it you know and i get that some of them it is kind of like iconic right like slanesh is purple corn is red you're probably not going to change that too much but still you know i don't know i think uh 
think more customization is always a good thing, but I agree with what you're saying. Um, like more of the human factions, uh, like getting to customize them and then getting to choose if they become a demon prince or, or not. I guess to me, that only makes sense, but um, I don't know what their plans are for Bellicor um, when the whole, you know, huge campaign or combined map drops. But uh, to me, it seems like it, it would have been better. Because so, obviously, it's, it's, I've, it seems incredibly fun. I haven't touched him yet um, with, you know, customizing all of his, uh, his armor parts and everything, which, you know, visually changes him. Um, which is always fun. I, I always enjoy those aspects, especially with games when um, I think the one I can think of right now would probably be Dead Space 2, where um, as you get different armor, well, and in the first Dead Space as well, I guess, um, as you upgrade your armor, or as you get different armor, um, it doesn't, you know, when you go into some you know, pre-cut scenes and whatnot, uh, in most games, you know, the character will have whatever they're supposed to be wearing um, at that point, and, but not your customized, whatever you, you happen to be equipped with at the moment. But when games actually keep that consistency, so, you know, if you're wearing armor, you know, armor rank two, um, and he's actually wearing it in the cutscene, it's like, to me, that's just way more immersive and all that. Yeah. Um, so having the demon prince like you know evolve essentially you know as he gets him uh, goes up in levels and then however you want to play him that's great um but i i, I think they kind of may maybe blew their load a little too early but again that's just me yeah and, and who's to say what they're going to do as far as customization goes because they have changed around some things that i don't know i don't know if they were going to ever like change if not for necessarily community pushback but suggestions like the empire getting its massive change and total war warhammer to uh, the greenskins getting their change the beastmen getting their change but it's curious because i mean the game is so new you gotta wonder you know you have to wonder if they're really planning on making significant changes to the way the factions work so far especially something like the demon prince which out of all the factions seems the most you know DOA, the most dead on arrival. Um, and that's sad because it, it's such a cool concept. It's such a great idea. Like when they first started talking about that, that was the coolest thing. Like everybody's like, oh my God, like we're going to get to build our own demon and build their abilities. But, you know, I don't know. It, it didn't pan out the way we thought it would. And the, the mixing and matching didn't really pan out the way we thought it would either, unfortunately. You know, it would be really cool to be able to have zinch like spell abilities but you know like nurgle health and maybe a little bit of corn uh, damage and all that now that would make it too strong right but in campaign who cares you know, that's the point like i want to be as strong as possible or if you're fighting the demon prince like that'd be a real challenge like how the fuck am i going to beat this guy who's got a front line of exalted plague bearers who's got you know, exalted bloodthirsters at their flanks. He's got exalted pink horrors in the back, and he's got every type of uh, uh, soul grinder in the back too. Like this is going to be really difficult. Oh, meanwhile, the Lord's just a fucking tank. Right, exactly. But, but that's not really what we have. We have, I don't know. We have units. I mean, his lords are usually more intimidating than he is. He can get sniped pretty quickly. Like you can lure him out because he flies, and you can have. 
a bunch of archers just snipe him from the beginning and then take out the rest of the army as you go, which is un- unfortunate. Now his his generic lords because he, he gets access to the ger- the generic lords of the demons. So do they have their typical uh, red line? So they, you know, the plague one or the the plague bearer would be able to increase all the core or the not the core and the um, Nurgle units, right? Or yeah. is or is the change okay? So yeah, so then he like him, his army is probably weaker in comparison to the lords then, like the the regular lords, since they actually buff the units. Right. I mean, you basically what you would want is. Uh the best lord out of the three, or I'm sorry, out of the four, to lead an army of, you know, possibly mixed units, but I don't know, uh, based off of whatever, you know, the, either the most amount of units are in there, or the ones that need the buffs the most, or the ones that are going to do more damage, so, you know, a Bloodthirster is probably a good lord to have. Um, I don't know, when I played it, I had a little bit of everything. I would say either a Slaneshi unit or... Anything really except Nurgle, it would be fine. And then you can just supplement your army with whatever your weak point is with a few units. So, you know, if you're running a Zinch Lord, you buff your pink horrors and then you have a line of Bloodthirsters or you have a line of Chaos Warriors of Corn, and they're never going to break through that line because they're so strong. Or even Exalted Plague Bearers because they're so meaty. Especially if it's a fight where they're coming to you instead of you coming to them, you just stick those guys out front. They're never going to cut through them. Meanwhile, your pink horrors are in the back just blowing shit away. But that is a problem. You get the generic lords from each faction, but they only buff the units that they, you know, the faction they come from, which is right. weird. It's it's really weird. I'm not saying that they should have gotten, you know, odd demon hybrids that could buff multiple things but that's probably something they didn't think about maybe they just assumed you would have a stack of like well this is my corn army so it's only corn units and all that but that's not the that's not the draw to that faction it's the customization it's to be able to use all the demonic units like mix and match that's what's really fun yeah you you know you lose a little bit but it feels like you almost lose a little too much so again that's why i think they kind of blew their load, uh, but I don't know. Obviously, you know, I'm not I'm not working for them, so I have no idea what their plans are. Yeah. But it seems to me like it was a little too early, I, and they probably just pushed them out as a um, as kind of. I think it may have been kind of like a last minute thing in a sense. Yeah, I do enjoy. Maybe it needed more. Well, though. Yeah, maybe a little more development time was needed, but um, yeah. Yeah, I think that might be fair to say. I mean, the game did get pushed back. So we'll see. I mean, I, I get the feeling out of all the Warhammer 3 races that'll probably get a uh, uh, another look over, another redo, it'll probably be the Demon Prince. I think... Mm, it will be fascinating to see what they do with them, though, because um, it makes me wonder like what their plans are for Bellacor and all that. Um, if he might be like a competing force to the demon prince along with obviously probably archaon and all that but i don't know we'll have to see yeah it would be interesting to see him maybe in mortal empires or immortal empires whatever it's called become a become a lord on his own because i think a lot of people want that and i get the feeling that they will probably give that in the end but it would also be interesting to see everybody's kind of curious about is what are they going to do with archaon and, and the 
warriors of chaos how are they gonna fit in you know how is all that shit gonna work i'm excited about it for sure and i think you know it's interesting because their dlcs are always amazing the classes or i'm sorry the the new lords and the uh new units are always a little bit broken see you know ick it or the vampire coast like when that stuff came out but um or Pelebron or literally anybody. Oh, shit. Ekid's still fucking broken. Ekid's still He is, but, like, when he first came out, the Gisales and everything were... Oh, yeah, those were, were, like, ridiculous, yeah. yeah. They're stronger than they ended up being, um, but they're still really good. I... You know, I, I think it's because they get more time. They can kind of hone in. They're not building an entire game, right? So, hopefully we'll see some of the stuff fixed and when they have a little bit more time to hone in and focus on just one aspect of the game instead of like you know, trying to make everything work with everything at the same time it's a hard part about game development you have to have a base out there first right and then you can kind of like focus in on the little things to make it overall better which is like you said the game is going to get so much better than it is right now and our complaints aren't even really to complain it's just like well we want to see this fix we want to see this fix we want to see this fix it's not really stopping me from playing because i'm enjoying the but, uh, you know, every time I jump in there, it's like, man, I'm really waiting for, like, all the other races to be on that list. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, for me, I haven't been able to complete a campaign because I, I only I get so far. And then um, I just hate dealing with the whole rifts and all that. And it's annoying. So um, I'm basically waiting for the Immortal Empires or wherever it's going to be to drop. And then I'll get into it in more earnest. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can understand that for sure. Um, just to go down the line of factions, uh, let's start with the Chaos ones, because we started with Demons of Chaos. What do you think about Slanesh so far from what we've seen, or what we've played? Uh, I See, it's without the, um, the effectiveness of his chariots, and with how bad the bug is that you can countercharge, um, his strong points being, you know, the, the chariots and the, his uh, cavalry, they just get fucking destroyed. And so it's it's kind of hard or kind of annoying um, from when I was playing with him. Um, he's definitely more of a challenge than I think any of the other gods, uh, factions right now. Um, but I think if they... If they fix his chariots and the cavalry, then obviously they, they stop that stupid bug. Um, then he'll be pretty fun to play. Uh, it's just right now it's kind of yet to play them as like you're you're gonna lose shit basically. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna take some decent uh, losses. Um, but I, I like the concept of it. Like I, I do really enjoy um, a faction that has to be microed a little more effectively. Uh, especially when it comes to the chariots. Chariots I, I find really fun to use, but just not on how they are right now. Yeah, I agree. I think they're probably my favorite uh, out of the four Chaos factions. I think they're my favorite because the way they fight is super unique. Um, they have to be quick. They have to do quick strikes. I don't know. I never feel like I'm bored. Um playing as Slanesh, because there's always something to move around. But I, right now, kind of exclusively play with their infantry, because everything else isn't so great. I don't remember if they have 
Forsaken. I know they have. Uh, I don't think they do. I can't remember. Yeah, they just have the Marauders and then the uh, the Daemonets. The Daemonets. The Daemonets. I like the Daemonets a lot. Like especially the Exalted Daemonets. Like I could just do a whole stack of them and run them around and you know usually do pretty well. But the other stuff, um, uh, the fiends. The fiends are really cool. Actually, I I really enjoy the fiends. I love how like their animations are amazing. Their animations are amazing. I I can't remember, and I could be totally wrong about this, but I think they're a uh, what do you call it? Aren't they a um, uh, not a forty k an Age of Sigmar unit? I remember them saying like they added some Age of Sigmar units to uh, what do you call it to fantasy just for this game because they were kind of unique. I, I could be wrong about that, but do you know that? I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure about those. No. Um, I don't think they are, but again, I, I, I'm not entirely sure about that. I'm not sure, but I think they're cool and they work right. <laughs> they do a lot of damage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they actually work, yeah. Which is great. That just kind of adds to the fantasy of it. But no, I, I usually play with stacks of exalted demonettes and, you know, some fiends. And if you can get soul grinders, you can throw those in there or uh, the Keeper of Secrets. It's good, too. Um, but no, they're, they're fun. Corn, corn is probably the one that's been done the most right out of all the units, right? I mean, his playstyle, you know, he can spawn other armies and he could just fuck people up constantly. Um, yeah, I feel they probably play the best out of all of them. Yeah, the Lord um, is strong, the infantry strong. I mean, I don't know. I don't think you could say anything negative about Corn right now, could you? I mean, his economy kind of sucks, well, but yeah, nothing that's wrong with him um, in the sense of how they're supposed to play. Right. Um, it's just uh, the only thing I guess is annoying um, is when fighting them, like uh, with how good they are in auto resolve. But I mean, I guess that's that's more just an issue with the game overall. But um, it's like you, you're like, yeah, I could easily beat this. It's like or like it should be auto resolvable, but um, because there's Scarbrand there, it's like okay, now you got to fight this. <laughs> so, right. But yeah, I think they're fine. I think they just need a little, a little tuning, and they'll be good where they're at. Yeah, I. Yeah, they're 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 pretty good. They're tuned. I don't know. Maybe they're a little over tuned. Scarbrand is obviously a killer once he gets going and once he gets a little bit of gear too. You know, he seen the videos of him like three shotting some lords before, but yes, just fucking punting them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. which you know, I mean, it's it's that shit's hilarious. I love that animation, that kicking animation he does. It's great. It is. It's kind of nice to to see a lord do that. Though one of the things I was gonna say, just talking about three, is that when I jump in and I play a new campaign, it doesn't feel the same as playing two, even when two is brand new, where I feel like I can make my lord ridiculously strong against anybody and anything like for whatever reason i don't feel that with the lords in this game except for scarbrand that's a good point um i think they have nerfed a lot of the um the fun a little bit when it comes to like really making lords strong and, and then just your units in general like i'm fairly certain all the the redline skills have been nerfed so your units aren't as powerful and all that um so I can understand, I, I think, where you're coming from. Um, I, at first, I had thought it was kind of just a, a thing with the auto-resolve and all that. But um, 
and just you know whatever tuning they did for the campaign. But no, I, I think like I think there's actually been some nerfs to the the power creep basically. Yeah, uh, which is I think go both good and bad. But again, when you're playing a single player campaign, like I kind of want that power creep to be there. Like, I think we've all run into a situation where, like in 2 especially, where you go up against an army and you just can't auto-resolve against it. Not that I want to auto-resolve, like I want to fight good battles, but you go and you fight and you're like, holy shit, like the AI really made that lord really, really good. Like, took some good losses there and all that, but I don't know. I'm, it's fantasy, so I want the armies to be really strong and I want them to do a lot of silly stuff. Right now, I'm kind of... No, exactly. Like a little weak. Um, and... We can get into the, what I was going to get into was like the red line skills where it seems like the buffs that you give your armies are not very good. Yeah, they they definitely nerfed it. It's I don't know why. I don't know why. I was playing Zhao Ming earlier today and like I see he's got like three abilities in his top tree, which are like, you know, one offs. Right. And one of them is 15 percent armor for his uh, like all his units in his army. And then another one is 15% melee attack for melee units in his army. I'm like, okay, so he gets this. Nobody else really gets anything like this. And then he gets the standard red line he has too. Like, where's that for everybody else? Like, if you're going to weaken everything, why didn't you give unique these kind of unique choices for other armies in different ways? And to some extent, they do have it. You know, like Kairos has some stuff like that, but Meow doesn't really have that. Actually, you know what? Now that I think about it, I wonder if it's um, with... All the, you know, the DLC for two, um, there was, you know, putting aside, you know, the power creep that kept, that came in with each DLC, um, the Lords were fairly focused in some areas. Um, and yeah, we just don't have that right now, uh, for some of the Lords, like, um, I guess Kugath, you know, you, you, buffs the shit out of his little nerdlings, but um yeah, now that you mention it, maybe that's what it is. But but again, I haven't played as many of the factions as you had, so like maybe they're there, but I, I don't know. I'm not sure either. Um yeah. uh, I, d I don't know. I that's one but of the things are things have been nerfed though for sure. Like yeah. uh, I, I immediately noticed it as soon as I uh, looked at the the red line skills. I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah. It's like this used to be like plus eight or even plus six, and now it's like plus four. It's like what but, the hell? Yeah, it just I kind of struggle with it because like I want my armies to be strong and overpowered, and um, I just don't feel like that's really the case right now. And it kind of makes the lesser lords a little bit worse too to me, if that makes sense at all. Like. How is how is your lesser lord going to end up being like ridiculously strong when you know I don't know when they can't even really buff their army like that's a problem to me yeah I want I want to feel strong I want a little bit of power creep that's half the reason I play these games like I want to recruit a mage because my main lord is like a melee lord or something like that he's like not going to do magic uh, but I want this other lord over here to be able to kind of pick up the slack over there so I don't know so I was hoping that we're going to do is. Um... SFO's take when you picked a faction, you know, like it would, your lords may change depending. Like, I guess the best example would be Warzag. So you pick him, and then you would get a special lord, a special, you know, shaman lord that 
basically buffed the units that Warzag buffs. So like you had like, you know, little mini Warzags running all over the place. Um, I was hoping something like, like more focused like that, but like, I, I guess they're, maybe it's like they're too generic at the moment. And then like, they didn't go too full into um, specializing their armies and all that. You know, so like again, except for the only one I can think of right now would be oh no, well Kugath and um, Scrag, I guess, with his uh, his little cannibal guys. Um, he busts the shit out of them, but nothing to the extent to, that you saw in two. Right. Right. So I don't know that. Hmm. Yeah. That's... But we'll see, though. I mean, I, I'm sure with uh, upcoming DLC and you know, once the the Chaos Wars drop, you know, there's probably going to be a pretty big power creep there with them. And then who knows what, like, if they'll, they may, you know, tune some stuff as we go along. But that, we'll see. That, yeah, that's the hope. Uh, I just where we're the starting point that we're at now just makes me a little worrisome that that might not be the case. I don't. Yeah. Especially with these new initial races that we got, I don't really want to wait until I don't know. I don't really want to wait until we're a couple DLCs deep for the game to get better in that aspect of it. Not that it's bad now. It's just there is a very sizable difference. There's there's some differences in even in the battle, like right now, where the ranged units have to turn before they fire in some odd way, and I really really don't like that. I don't know if you've noticed that, if you've played with any factions that have ranged units, but if you attack them, with them, they turn right. their entire unit to fire. I don't, I don't know. Well, I know they, they used to do that, um, depending on what you're like. Obviously, if you have a, a unit that can shoot all 360, then they don't have to. Um, but, you know, that cone of fire that those units have, I know if there's a unit in that cone of fire... Like at the very edges, um, only so many units would would fire at that. And then if you told that unit to then attack that unit, they would actually turn. The whole unit would actually turn, um, so that they were in the middle of the cone of fire, so all everything could hit them. I just don't remember um, being that way into. And maybe. It's because, it's, yeah. But yeah, I recall that happening into. Like that's how they would work. But I I think maybe they aren't firing as much i'm not entirely sure though again i haven't played extensively to like really see it but i have seen it when i was playing Z, uh zinch a little bit yeah i, I just definitely noticed it a lot but by both playing Cathay and kislev where you know it's kind of weird you can't really do lines upon lines of archers right now at least i haven't been able to make it work like, it's just easier to spaghetti line everything out so everything can kind of hit. And then, I don't know, moving people around as, as needed. But I, I don't know. I just, uh, that's one thing that's kind of bothering me because I really don't feel like it was like that in two. Or maybe archers are just a shitload stronger in two than they are in three. Maybe there was some kind of nerf that we don't know on the back end. I'm not sure. I don't feel like archery is weaker. Like the ice guard hits pretty hard, but like I wouldn't want to line. I mean, and I could be totally wrong about this. People who are better strategists than me could say, but I wouldn't want a line of ice guard protecting a line of ice guard and then the both of them just shooting. Um, 
and then you know one line is going to take the brunt of the melee damage and the other line is going to continue shooting it just doesn't feel like it's strong enough to justify it right now and i haven't really done any comparing of the numbers or anything like that but it just doesn't it doesn't feel that way right now so that's another problem i feel like i've noticed at least on the battles but you know it may not be a battle um some of the other issues with the game nurgle feels slow and not just on the battlefield because that's what his units do They're, they feel slow kugas not a great lord he can snipe stuff for a little while and he has a mortis engine effect but he's just overall slow it seems like he has access to the best units but you kind of just continually recruit nurglings because if you lose units it's the easiest to recruit right and they get their health back pretty quickly but they're not particularly fast they don't do a lot of damage, and it's really just there so Kugath can get in there, or whatever other unit you have that can actually deal damage can get in there and take out the enemy. And I just yeah. hate that place. Yeah, I, I, I played with them quite a bit. Um, I do see where they were going with it, um, but they definitely need some more stuff. Like, well, first of all, his economy is terrible, um, and I was worried about it once they announced it how it was going to work. Um. I didn't think it was going to be to this extent. Um, but his economy is pretty shit because, you know, you're having to deal with the whole growth cycle and all that. Um, but then his army's like, I don't know why they only do poison. Like, it's 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 very strange. They need something um, new. Yeah. Like, so you have, um, I believe there's, I don't know if this was SFO specifically, but there, I believe there's a contact effect for play call uh, play claw catapults um and then some of the the uh escape other scaven units had contact effects I, I, again i could be confusing it um but then you even had skarsnik with like, his special like skarsnik juice for his <laughs> right. units and so like and that shit was like a, a very potent um like vile toxin or whatever so but you just have you have nurgle who's like the whole disease yeah. and all that, and you're telling me they only do poison? Doesn't make a lot like, of sense. Yeah, like his units need something other than that. Even Skaven um, and two started with death globes too, right? Yeah, and they had death globes. Yeah, and the, the death globes had like like special like contact effect. Um, and then even their like their mortars that they got with uh, the Snickich DLC were like incredibly powerful, and obviously you know it's power creep, but it's like. Why is Nurgle going to do poison? It's like he, I can understand it, like kind of maybe starting out as poison. Um, but then my whole like thought process would be okay, you know, they're they're disgusting to touch, right? You don't want to you don't want to get touched by them, and then you obviously you don't want to touch them either, because um, you know just being near them is disgusting. But I think they all of his units need something more, like uh, maybe his Nurglings um, get a, a like a you know, melee debuff after a certain percentage of health that they, you know, spread out to everyone within AoE. Um, and then I would say it's like Plague Bearers, um, like the Exalted Plague Bearers, along with the drones and all of that should have like a really nasty uh, actual contact effect that is like just doing damage over time. Because um, again, like right now, they're just relying on Kugath and the other... Um, greater demons uh to 
do most of their, their mortgage engine stuff. And I, I don't like, to me, that's just silly. It's you're, you're dealing with the plague fathers, like forces. They like should be doing a little more than just goddamn play, um, poisoning you. Do you think that maybe like all the units in Nurgle's army should have some kind of mortis engine effect or something that, I mean, poison's the easy out, right? It slows. I think it does some leadership stuff. Like, should they have something else? Like, well, obviously, yeah. apart from poison, yeah, that's kind of what we're talking about. But yeah, some kind so of damaging I, thing? Because they don't do a lot of damage on their own. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think, like, maybe the Nurglings are the only ones that have poison to start with. Then as they take damage, um, as, kind of like a, as kind of like a sign, as, you know, you're cutting through these disgusting things you're releasing all that shit that's in them. And so now, uh, now the Nurglings are doing a melee damage or a melee attack reduction in an AOE. Then you have the Exalted Plague Bearers who just by themselves have um, like a really nasty rot that they put on people that deals damage and reduces their stats a little bit more. Then you have the drones that um, have like you know sunder attacks and maybe their own contact effect so you know they they are doing like the same thing that the exalted plague bearers are doing and then something else with the toads like they all need better contact like to me they all need better contact effects um his soul grinder is fine like with how it is right now because it does a ton of damage um but yeah, they, they need a little more. And I also think they... I was thinking maybe instead of the um, their current like abilities they get, like you know, when they're taking damage and all that, um, give them more healing, a little bit more. Uh, but if you're actually going to give them a contact effect, so then maybe not. But they, Nurgle definitely needs something other than what what's going on right now because it like takes forever and you're you're too too reliant on um drones and then your greater demons right. to actually do anything um and then especially his economy because like you know you have two full stacks and that's like all you can afford because you know you're, you're trying to expand and then you have goddamn fucking kessler coming at you you have the doors a bunch of shit and it's like all you have to deal with is just those two armies, and that's it. Yeah, it's not much of a start, really. So between that and you know, the, one of the memes lately has been too is that if you look at some of the research stuff, like I think Kislev has, it might be Kislev, it might be somebody else. One of them, no, it's Corn. Corn has these dogs that start with Vanguard deployment, and one of the abilities is to unlock Vanguard deployment. For- <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, what yeah. the fuck? Like, who didn't catch this? So. I get the feeling like maybe after we get, you know, some of this uh, you know, stability fixes that they've been talking about, that the next thing is going to be like polish, which should have already been there for a $60 yeah. game. But, yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, but it'll come eventually. So it definitely needs a little bit more polish in some of those areas. The last one for Chaos is Zinch, and I think Zinch is in a great spot. Not my favorite because there's not a lot of melee units in there apart from forsaken which from what i understand in the multiplayer scene is a great cost effective uh, melee infantry unit to use especially with the overshields but that's not really their bread and butter their bread and butter is the horrors right exactly and you played a lot more zinch than i have 
Yeah, I played a little bit of him. Um, I can't remember even how, how far I got. Uh, but yeah, it's like you you stick with the blue horrors until you can get to Forsaken, and then you load up on Forsaken, and then just have your exalted um, pink horrors or just regular pink horrors in the back, just blasting the shit out, whatever. Or you send your soul grinder up and let them blob on the soul grinder, and then you just wipe them out with a spell. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Especially because Kairos Fate Weaver spells are so strong. That's something that we were talking about earlier today is probably going to get fixed. The pendulum can you know, one-shot an enemy unit. It was really cool to see before the game came out, but I guess multiplayer is having issues with it. I think, and I'm hoping in the single player, they will allow that to stay the same. I don't really care how strong it is. Like I feel like that should be a thing. Magic should feel powerful, and if it wipes out a whole unit, then it should. You know? Um, I don't know. Uh, I kind of like the idea of that. I probably wouldn't like it if it happened to me and I was playing Cathay with Celestial Dragon Guard. That would probably really suck. But it is kind of a cool, unique thing that he has being, you know, kind of the magic guy of the Chaos factions. Well, I've always been, um, at least you know, with Vanilla 2 and all that, how underwhelming some of the spells are. Um, and it's, it's, I mean, it's fucking magic. It should be powerful and it should wipe out a unit or, or at least, you know, let's say, you know, in comparison, cause you know, um, Cairo should be, you know, the, the strongest spellcaster in the whole trilogy. So you have, you know, let's say a same spell from someone else will do like two thirds or, you know, half of a unit's health. So, you know, great value for that spell. Um, but then Cairo should like wipe them out when he when he does it. I, I think that's only fair. I agree. And you know, we were talking about uh, the vortex spell that he gets. What is it? The the tornadoes, the firestorm of Zinch. I can't think of the name of it. Like that. If you get anything in the blob, it just wrecks anything that gets in its path. But it should. I mean, it really should. He's he can't melee to save his life. Like he can kind of jump in there and clean stuff up if they're not attacking him. His bread and butter is magic, and you have to use it effectively because you're eventually going to run out of wins unless you're using the, you know, the endless wins exploit right now. And I don't know if you can do that with him. I'm sure you can. Um, so I think he's in an okay spot overall, though, and I think his faction's in an okay spot. And I, for one, like I like it, but I just can't get it to work. You know, you know what I think the biggest thing he needs is that his faction's corruption needs to look a little bit better. The stars need to look a little bit more starry, and the blue crystals need to look a little bit more. That's all. Everybody else's chaos corruption looks great, and I think his is the most underwhelming. I'd really like the star floor to look more star floory. I don't know if like <laughs> waterfalls and all that. If he takes, you know, because you see what happens when you take control of water, the water changes like color. Like yes, if you're slanesh, it turns to jizz. If you're corn, it turns to blood. If you're nurgle, it turns to green jizz. I don't know. <laughs> green jizz. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. I'm wondering if like, if you're zinch, does it just turn into like bluer water or does it turn into star water? Cause that would be kind of cool. Uh, and then our, our order faction. So Cathay and Kislev and ogres, you've played ogres. What do you think of ogres so far? I think they're in a great spot. Um, their infantry is a little, eh, but I mean, at the same time, I, I haven't really focused on, it. I do know they're, um, their iron guts are okay, but I think that that other tier—I can't remember the name of the units—but um, 
they are better uh, than the you know the standard ogre bulls and whatnot. Um, but they're, I think they're great right now. Their uh, their cavalry is pretty fun to use, and then obviously their artillery and their those goddamn lead belchers are so goddamn satisfying to use. Lead belches are probably something that are going to be fixed, but they're so good. Like, that's another thing where, like, should they be? Yeah, but I don't really want them to be. Same with gorgers. Although gorgers yeah. are, they're strong, but I've noticed that they're a little squishy. A little squishy. I don't think lead belchers, like, should. Uh, if anything, lead, belch, lead belchers should just be moved up in tier and give them, like, tier 4, tier 5 status. Yeah. And then at that point, they're like, they're perfectly fine. I was um, I was kind of half expecting ogres to be weak, but they've come across as very strong since the game has come out, which is great. Out of all of them so far, I think they're my favorite. I mean, I like Nurgle, um, but he's he is a pain to play. Um, but I, I haven't tried many of the factions, but right now ogres are my favorite. Yeah, I, I think ogres are. Strong. I would say they're probably. They're probably my second favorite right now, which is too bad because I didn't expect them to be my favorite at all. I kind of expected them to be very similar to Warhammer 2 Ogres with some extra units, but um, they've turned out to be a lot better, a lot stronger, and they're really fun to play. Like, who knew an entire roster of monstrous infantry could be fun? I didn't think that would be the case because, you know, in Warhammer 2, traditionally, monstrous infantry were not great depending on who you were playing as like even the skaven like they weren't really great you know i think they're only um the only downside i have with them is their camps and i don't know why they aren't just tied to either the armies or an army can't go and like pick up the camp and move it right um like you, in order to move a camp, you need to destroy it and then go place it down, and then yeah, like as you get your tech up, they they start with higher population count, so it's like easier to you know build them back up. But you have to spend that money, and you know you you want to be in the their area of effect, you know, so you generate meat and all that, because right. if you're outside of it, you fucking drain meat like crazy. Um, but it's like it's too much of a pain right now, in my opinion. Like, it, there should be something else with the camps instead of just plopping them down and then have some like generic lord in there. But you can recruit units into, but it's like if you can't move the camp, um, you know, like once you're when it's whenever you set you set down the first camp, you know, typically in your own province because you know you you just want the meat and then you want the units. It's like later on, that's going to be completely pointless because you know, you're going to be far off doing whatever and have probably another little base established already. So it's like, okay, now I need to deconstruct all of that. I get some of that money back. It's like, but then I have to rebuild the goddamn thing. Like, like to me, it seems a little annoying. I can understand, like, maybe, you know, it's like it starts off like, you know, you have a tier six or whatever or tier five. Then you have to destroy it. It's like, okay. But then you go and it starts at like tier three or tier four. And then you just have to spend a little more to get to the max level. So then you can, you know, recruit all your shit. Like it, it seems like that needs a little more work in, in my opinion. It's, it's, it's just weird why you can't 
it's not like a permanent settlement. It's, a, it's supposed to be a goddamn camp. Why can't you just pick it up and move? But whatever. Uh, no, I agree. Well, it seems to me if you're going to spend the money anyway, you should spend it on it being dropped at tier four or five, right? Something like that. If, I mean, if you're going to yeah, spend I guess it you could increase you just, the cost. Yeah, because if you just drop it, like the tech is in there to where you get the growth, so you can like drop it up to I think all the way up to five, but you have to take the turns that the camp is in place to, to get it. build it up. Yeah. And maybe they thought, well, if you're dropping a fresh camp, like then maybe, you know, you think you're going to be here for a while because you've got a lot to take over. It's like, yeah, maybe, or maybe you want the replenishment or maybe you need to generate some meat or maybe you took a lot of losses and you need to recruit, you know, that seems a little odd. And as far as the recruiting thing, money's not a huge problem um, for ogres. At least it doesn't seem like it's a huge problem for them. At the very least for Scrag, because Scrag starts next to, you know, a lot of territories where he can make a lot of money. He starts next to Altdorf, so he can make a lot of money really fast, it seems like. Um, but, I don't know. I think, like you said, that needs to kind of be readjusted. It's a good system. It just needs to be changed. And the camp, you know, since you can't move the camp, you need to come up with something else to be able to, you know, make the camp a little bit better, a little bit more effective instead of having to wait turn after turn after turn to be able to recruit new units or, or you know, recruit tier four, tier five units. That's that's a big problem for them right now. But overall, on the battle map, they're a strong race. They just need a little bit more work on the campaign map, I think. So after them, we have Kislev and we have Cathay. I'm going to go with Kislev next. I played Katarin. Played through that campaign. I don't know if you've played any of Kislev at all. They are fun to play as, but I feel like they're just... They need to be expanded on a little bit more. I don't know if they're going to get any more lords in the future. I'm hoping they do because I feel like their roster's not finished. I feel like you know everybody's talked about it. You get a bear, and you get a bear, and you get a bear. You know, Some people don't necessarily need bears. Some people need other mounts, like Katarin should have a sled and... You know, I can see Castalton on a bear because that's his whole thing, and I can see Boris on a bear because his bear literally has a name, right? Um, but Katarin should probably be on something different, but I just feel like they're missing unit diversity. And as much as I like the Kosars and I like the idea of them having hybrid units, overall their units really don't feel strong until you get Ice Guard. And even then, and we're going to talk about the campaign in a minute, but... Using them in the campaign and using them in that final battle, I had I think eight or ten Zargard and roughly like eight, yeah, maybe a little bit less than eight Ice Guard because I had another caster and I had a, a Patriarch in there. And the Zargard got wiped out fast. They weren't Zargard with great weapons, they were Zargard with shield. And the Ice Guard couldn't really do much. Like it was a struggle to finish that battle and I was playing normal, normal. Not legendary, because I'm not crazy. Um, and I felt like, fuck, I would have been better off if I had just done a stack of bear cavalry. Because they would have been able to take on the monstrous, and then they would have just rolled over the regular infantry. Because they're one of the few cavalry that seem to be real good right now. Because anything on a bear is ridiculously strong, whether it's Boris or Katarin or anybody. You know, you just need the ward save if you're a lord. So, I like them... Katarin's start position sucks. Castalton's is slightly better because he's got, at least he's bordered by ocean when he starts. But that whole Kislev area is just surrounded by shit that will kill you. Be it other Kislevites, be it uh, chaos that comes in if you're, you're, whatever it is, your devotion is too low. You have green skins that are to your east. 
you have ogres and vampires to your south, you have the demon prince coming from the west, and then never mind the, the rifts that we'll get into. It's a lot of shit to have to deal with, especially if you need to, you know, uh, confederate the entirety of Kislev from, you know, Erengrad and Prague and all that. Like, it's just, it's very difficult to do and to hold it all, uh, unless you have a sufficient amount of armies and, and, and other things. So it's hard to get all of that because I don't think the initial units that you get, while they are diverse, I don't think they're strong enough to hold against some of the more diverse units that the enemy armies get. At this point, I'm kind of wondering if, at the very least, some of the order factions for three are going to hold up against some of the other factions in two. And I don't have super high hopes for that right now. I feel like some of the stuff in two, just based off of the strength of... I mean, it's two different games at this point, and the balancing is two different things at this point. But I, I don't feel like they hold up to the races in two right now. Oh, yeah. I, I, I mean, two's had, like, what, five years or whatever how long it's been out like i think once they drop um immortal empires um game three factions will be like like destroyed i think like like if, if it's all the ai like yeah i think they're gonna get wiped out all these other factions have way more units and um i think even their tech is probably better like I, but who knows like uh, i it, it may be unfortunate but um, when the combined map drops, one thing I am worried about um, is that they're going to nerf the shit out of the Game 2 factions to, like, have them on par. I'm hoping not. I'm hoping, like, you're, like you know, they do that balancing patch or that balancing pass, should I say, um, and maybe up some of the stuff. But, yeah, like, I, I can see them potentially nerfing the shit out of um everyone from the first and second games to like make them uh, a little more even with game three factions i really hope not i really really hope not i hope uh the stuff in three gets buffed to match the stuff in two because right now i just see like i can't i mean it's funny when you see that one area of like uh wood elves and they go up and they start attacking the demon prince or whatever they are so strong compared to the demon prince to start and they're a game one faction obviously they got buffed and changed around in game two right so they're a little bit better but they're uh, they were already pretty amazing on the uh campaign map but uh or i'm sorry on the battlefield i'm kind of scared to see like what happens when you get like actual high elves in there like i feel like Tyrion would just come into kislev and fuck up the Kislevites, and then fuck up, like, the entire factions of Chaos. So just basically fuck up the entire, like, every faction in the game, maybe except Scarbrand. And if he's got Sword of Cain and he's fighting Scarbrand, maybe he beats Scarbrand, too. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, based off of what we've seen, like, he, all he needs are Sisters of Avalorn and a staunch line of spears, and I feel like he could wreck most of the, uh, the factions in this game so far. And uh, that's unfair, because, again... Game two has had how many years? Six years? Maybe a little less than six years. DLC and you know other shit that has made the game better. And three is just now out. And there's a lot of... I mean, we were just joking earlier about like a tech that gives you know a unit that already has Vanguard deployment, Vanguard deployment. So obviously stuff is missed and obviously stuff is rushed. 
So I'm hoping that we don't get like a slate of nerfs for the old races. We get a slate of buffs. But to me, it seems like it's a little obvious. It's too obvious to miss that like your redline skill trees are way, way, way weaker than uh, they were in the previous game. And how that's allowed, I have no idea. So We'll just have to see. Um, that's Kislev. Did you get to play any of Kislev yet, or have you even tried? I played a little bit, um, like just to, because I, I just wanted to look at the units and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I haven't actually sat down and played as them. Um, I just fought against them, and they're annoying as shit with like everyone having fucking ranged. Um, but that's when I was playing Nurgle, so like uh, that was a pain in the ass. Right. Um, but I haven't actually played as them to like determine how good they are. Yeah. I think they'll be fun in the future when they get a little bit more, maybe when they get their regiments of renown, but we'll just have to see. Oh yeah, that, that's a good point. Like none of the regiment of renown shit's even out yet. No, I mean we, we um, get stuff. I'm curious to see how the game plays too with the blood pack as well. Yeah. Um but yeah, I, I just realized that, yeah, like no regiments of renown are out yet. Right. Um We're missing a lot of then, stuff. Yeah. Uh, I'm hoping though what, what Kesslev will get is um because i know um i think like baba yaga is supposed to be like a like a, a whole faction or not faction but like a an aspect of like kiss love lore right um so i hope we get like more because you know right now we have the, the kosars we have the bears and all that and then the um the ice mages and stuff i hope we get something more towards like uh like the baba yaga and stuff um like maybe some like more monsters and whatnot instead of just bears. more yeah. yeah just more bears and shit yeah i'd like to see that too but you know the, who knows what the future will hold i mean and that kind of brings us to the next and last race we're going to cover just in the game is cathay i don't know if you've played much of cathay i think they're my favorite race in the game so far i love the aesthetic i love like the area that they're in i love the units the units feel ridiculously strong to me um getting the harmony stuff working is beautiful they play and i saw somebody else describe it like this i can't take credit for it but it's like they almost play like dwarves in two and i actually really like playing as the dwarves in two except they're a little bit more mobile their lords are quick and can use strong magic like i i don't know overall i really really like cathay and I'm biased towards them. I'm biased because you can make one-man doomstacks out of both their lords. One's a little bit more effective than the other at this point. Um, I love the... I believe it's the Yang magic, which is their kind of like dragon fire magic. It's really strong, but the Yin magic's pretty good too. Yeah, there's like pretty much everything about them. Like I don't have any complaints. I kind of wish the sky junks and the, the uh, floating balloons were a little bit better. Floating balloons are pretty garbage. The sky junks are okay, but they're way less accurate than the the ox uh, fire throwers or whatever they call them. Uh, and celestial dragon guard are my like they're. You want to talk about making a unit perfect, like in all aspects, a anti-large shield wearing, heavily armored infantry unit can defend against literally everything the game has to throw at you, and they don't need to be good in melee. Because if you get Exalted Bloodthirsters or something coming after you, well, you have Celestial Crossbowmen in the back to rain hell on them because they don't have any shields and hold the line, you know, while the Celestial Dragon Guards with spears and shields are holding the line. They are perfect to me. I mean, obviously, they need some of the same red line buffs as everyone else, 
Uh, I'm a little sad that you can only use certain magics while you're in dragon form as a lord, but I think that's fair. I love that they have two separate regenerations, though I get the feeling that's something that will probably change. Uh, and I don't know if you knew this, but their regeneration in human form is separate from their regeneration in dragon form. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. That, that, so, that's probably being nerfed. Yeah. yeah, so if you're Mao Ying and you get to half health and you use so much regeneration that it's, you know, bogged you down, you go into dragon form, your regeneration just resets. So, but not in your human form again. That'll stay the same, but your dragon form has its own regen pool. <sighs> so I think they're really good. I love the caravan system too. I kind of wish they had quest battles. I know they didn't get quest battles because the caravans were supposed to be that, but I feel like every, every race and faction should have quest battles. It just adds flavor to the Lord. Um, I know some of them are kind of based off of uh, lore from their stories yeah, and all lore that. Lore fights and stuff, yeah. And Meow and Zhao don't... I mean, Cathay as a whole doesn't really have that right now because uh, it's still pretty new. I hope that they add more of it and they give them some kind of stories like that. I love the, the Bastion mechanic. I know a lot of people don't like that. Um, it's more pertinent to Meow than I think it is Zhao because Meow's right there, and she basically has to deal with it because the AI does a horrible job of dealing with it. Zhao's so far away that like it affects him, but it'll only really affect him if Meow falls and the AI seems to control her pretty decently compared to the rest of the Lords. So uh, I can't wait to play with them on Immortal Empires because I'm my plan is to expand the Cathayan Empire all across you know the, the world, the old world continents, so. Yeah, that's uh, that's about it for the factions. I kind of wanted to talk to you a little. I know we've kind of talked about them for a while, but I kind of want to talk about the game's campaign, and then maybe we can come back to Warhammer 3 at another time because we have talked about it so much. Um, I think we both have complaints about the campaign. I think everybody who's played it so far has complaints about the campaign. Uh, you haven't finished one, but how far have you gotten in a campaign so far? I think it was like the third roar. I believe. Um, and then it, it just got so annoying that, um, you know, I have to either leave a Lord nearby or all these heroes, like just to control um, the amount of armies that are coming out from the rifts. Um, and then I, you know, every time you go into one of the zones or one of the uh, the chaos realms, it's like, oh, you're, you're going to get this massive debuff, which is, I mean, understandable. Like, you know, that's something that should happen. But then you, <laughs> the way to get rid of it is like a, is RNG. Like, that, that's, that's horrible. Um, and then to me, like every time the rest shows up, it's always at an inconvenient time. It's like, I'm doing all this other stuff. And then all of a sudden you have the riff show up and it's like, oh, great. You know, now I can't do, or like, you know, I'm trying to take over um, this one area and it's like, oh, riff show up. Now I have to hold back and do some other shit. Yeah. I feel like you can't really move your main Lord either. Like that's one of the problems. Yeah. Because they have to sit in there to get rid of those debuffs. Yeah. They kind of have to, yeah, they have to stay close to where your empire is. And to be honest, I, I feel like maybe it, it plays more to my advantage than it would be to other people's because I don't mind having a small empire in these games. Um, but that's also kind of boring. Like, in two, 
even playing Vortex, and I like playing Vortex because to me the turn times are faster, even after they launch their own turn time nuke, right? Um, I still would play Vortex because I enjoyed it a little bit more because, you know, the, the maps were a little bit more detailed and slightly bigger, whatever, right? Um, I know the Mortal Empires map is bigger overall, but the Vortex map had more detail to it, which is why I enjoyed playing on it. I could still go around and conquer whatever I wanted and not have to worry about the Vortex because if any of the AI ever got through, I could just stop them. And you can't do that right now in 3, which is annoying. And I like to go out and I like to explore with my main legendary lord. That's part of the way I like to play the game. I like to go out, conquer, destroy, like give settlements to allies and all that. But if you get in a situation where, and this happened to me as uh, Katarin, actually. I went out, I explored Nurgle's area, and my intention was to wipe him out because he was beating everybody because I had missed the first uh, Chaos Rifts. Um, and he had three already. So my plan was to go out, destroy him, and then come back, and then another Chaos Rift spawned, and it's like you said, like, oh, they come so quickly you can't really get anything else done in that you know, amount of turn times. So I had to go into the Chaos Realm, get one of the code things, right? And then leave. And then I had to get all my ass all the way back down to Kislev to get rid of my traits. I mean, I guess I could have captured somebody's capital city and sat there and like waited for them to go away. Maybe that would have taken less time. But when you're already suffering attrition from being in chaos wastes and fighting people and doing all that. And again, maybe it's my fault. Maybe I shouldn't have been going after people. Maybe I should have just been sitting. But the game shouldn't encourage you to do that. The game should encourage you to Play it however you want, you know, and the campaign objectives shouldn't get in your way. They should just be something that's there, but you have workarounds to get past it. So I don't know. Maybe they wanted people to take the campaign more seriously than they did in the Vortex, but to me, it, it makes well, the game less fun. And the payoff is not worth it either. Yeah, I mean, it feels basically like you're like you are pretty much forced to do the camp, do the the mechanics of the campaign, um, but then what you were doing was probably correct. It's like, you're, you, you're basically, you have to wipe out like tons of people. Um, because if they get ahead of you, then you're, you're pretty much screwed. So it's like, you, you're pretty much forced to go around and like murder as many factions as you can, at least the ones that are participating in the race, um, before they can get the souls. Um, and so, like, again, to me, it's like, I feel way too rushed when playing the campaign. And, like, like I'm fine with that in certain senses, but it's, like, it gets way too annoying, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, so, it's, like, I'd rather mod it um, to completely remove those rifts, you know, so I can just basically play, you know, however I want. Right. Um, or just wait until the, the big old combined mat comes out. The only reason I don't like modding it is because I feel like you can't get, like, some of the best tools to, like, make the game a little bit more fun. So, like, going into Slanesh's Realm and getting Slanesh's Blade, like, that's an excellent tool, depending on the Lord that you play. And, like, I really like to get it every time, but you can't get it if you turn off the, um, uh, if you turn off the rifts, which is annoying. Super annoying. I don't like that at all. Um but you need to build a better campaign. Like, we get a little slice of Mortal Empires right now by turning that off, and that's a lot of fun, but I don't know. I, I just... 
I think extending it, like if you were to make it, because I think it's every 30 turns or whatever when the, the damn rifts are showing up. Right. So like if you were to change that to be every 60 turns, um, or maybe even every 50 turns, I think that would feel better than the 30 that it's at right now. That and then just make it um, a little easier to get rid of those debuffs. Um, because it's, it's, it's so, well, I, I honestly, I think what would probably be better is if, um, if you complete the, um, the fight, the battle, um, you should have that, that debuff immediately cleared from you instead yeah. of, um, instead of it just, you know, lingering and you have to keep your legendary Lord, you know, sitting somewhere until finally, you're able that or just allow you to send another lord in there instead of your legendary lord like it's like i understand yeah i understand why but it's at the the same time right if you want to keep those debuffs and um you know there should be some penalty to to being in there um you know apart from you know you having to fight all those armies and stuff but uh it's like okay well why can't i send you know this guy out to go do it um while um you know my legendary lord's handling some stuff you know back at home so i think that would probably fix quite a bit of it if you if you could send whoever the hell you wanted into the rift to go to the demon realm and claim uh, claim the soul like i can understand you need your legendary lord to fight the final fight it's like okay that that's that's understandable but your other guys like they should be able to go claim the souls. Like it, it just seems weird that they can't. Yeah, they should definitely be able to go and claim the souls. I don't get why they can't do that. And again, the payoff needs to be better for completing those realms. Slanesh yes. is the only one you get a reward from, and that's not even from clearing the realm. That's from leaving the realm like one before you get to the final fight. Corn, you get a reward technically, right? You get a reward technically for going in there but then the next time you enter a chaos rift you have to give back like his chainsword or whatever it is you pick up in there like it doesn't matter what chaos room you go into you have to give the thing back from what i understand so i've never gone and picked it up and it's stupid because that shit's really strong too right so i don't know i don't i don't understand it i'm not i'm surprised there is no reward or at least a reward you can pick from from clearing each realm and then going and doing the last uh chaos fight your reward is bellicor who Numerous people have already said he's okay. I haven't played with him. After I beat the campaign, I'm done. It's like I'm gonna go start well, a new campaign. Yeah, it I seems real silly. Like, yeah, I, here's I a understand. lord for you after you've beaten the campaign. Yeah, and then you don't get anything else. Like, uh, like Bellacor. Like, it seems odd. Like, if you're if you're playing the four chaos gods, okay, getting Bellacor at that point makes sense. But Kislev, Cathay, or the ogres, yeah. like having Bellacor, like like you wouldn't trust him like like <laughs> that makes no sense for them oh no, it doesn't make it's any like, sense at all so like it, it it seems like it's like he should have been the reward for the chaos gods along with something else for each of them and then the uh the other factions should have gotten um not necessarily a lord i mean you you could say like okay for your reward for being the campaign you know you would get boris back or whatever um i think personally that it's just there should be a way better reward 
for completing the campaign. Um, like a, like a, like a crazy good like a crazy buff that your faction gets for doing it and all that. It seems like most like the factions in Warhammer Two would get something like that if they finish the vortex. I can't really remember what it was, but I do know that like some of that stuff like they would they would get like some reward for completing the campaign, right? And it's like to me, it didn't matter because I'm done once the campaign is over. Like I have no interest in continuing. I mean, I guess that's my freedom to treat it like mortal empires after that right but i have no interest in doing that like it's not i'm done i want to play something else right that's what i want to do yeah but just for completing the realms there should be something and i don't know i guess there weren't really rewards for doing the vortex in its individual stages maybe there was more money or something you got for doing each objective like for completing each part of the the plan or whatever, but I, I honestly don't remember whatsoever, and it didn't matter. I think, yeah, I think some of the other like the the newer DLC factions had something they would get um, for like doing their campaign. I mean, they wouldn't be doing the vortex, but they would be doing something else. Um, but they would get a reward for that, and at that point, you know, then if you wanted to go on and destroy everyone or you know paint the whole map. That was, you know, your prerogative, but um, you would at least get something. And this current, the current way they're being implemented the game three campaign, it's like, so, you know, why did I do all that? Besides, you know, just seeing that, um, you know, completed screen. Beyond that, I don't know. Yeah. I, again, maybe it's one more thing that'll get fixed. Or maybe they just know that, like, yeah, nobody really played Vortex, so we're just going to do this like this on release, and our focus is going to go into Mortal Empires afterwards. <laughs> well, they should have just released more Mortal Empires then. But right. Yeah. But what's strange about that is that every faction they released for, um, uh, for 2 had a role in the Vortex campaign wasn't necessarily the vortex mission that they had to do which was kind of cool like it was great getting grom and grom wasn't doing the vortex campaign it was great getting the tomb kings and their shit was totally different but it was just on that smaller map like that was kind of fun i like that yeah yeah so i you know i maybe they'll be doing the same thing maybe they won't maybe they'll just be you know working on mortal empires or maybe the game was just rushed and it needs more time for them to uh them to be like specific honestly i think that may be i think that may have been the case i think um it probably needed more development time but they were like you know we need to get this out now um for you know timing and all that but that's just my opinion well i think that's enough about warhammer 3 where we're going to definitely have more to talk about with it in the coming weeks i think um overall it's in a good spot to be improved upon and to be made better. It's just not where it needs to be right now, but it just came out and this game's going to get years upon years of support uh, until they announce Warhammer 40k and we all devote thousands of hours of our lives to that, even though it's <laughs> yeah. 40k. But that seems like the logical progression. Or they go Age of Sigmar, which would be weird. Um, and I know nothing about that. I had wanted to talk a little bit about Elden Ring, but we've been talking so long about Warhammer and neither of us have actually played it. I think we both have plans to play it once some more optimization comes. To me, it was either like I'm either going to play Elden Ring or I'm going to play Warhammer 3 and I prefer Warhammer 3. 
um, or just Warhammer in general. So not much to say about it. It sounds like people are having a good time with it. It's a really enjoyable game. But the big problem with it is that it's just not super optimized for PC. Is that what you've been hearing? Yeah, I, I would have grabbed it. Um, I had no real plans because I've been so focused on PoE right now. Right. Um, but I would have grabbed it if uh, the PC part was more optimized. And once it does, I will plan. I do plan on picking it up. I, I've kept myself in the dark as much as possible on it, um, story wise, and um, and I I'm not watching any videos. Well, until recently, just today, I checked out. Um, all the spells in the game um, just because I typically play a spellcaster uh, as my first playthrough. Um, and uh, they look, I mean, there's like tons of spells. It's like ridiculous. Um, so it seems like it's going to be fun uh, from that aspect, at least. I agree. It looks good overall. I haven't watched a lot of it. I've watched some people make characters. Some of my favorite like YouTubers and streamers, I've kind of watched play a little bit of it, but I don't fucking know what's going on. And to be honest, I don't think you can really know a Souls game or a FromSoft game until you actually play it. But then again, I'm kind of feel that way with most games. Like you can see something a thousand times, but until you play it, you got no idea like what uh, what it is you're dealing with or what it is you're going to see or play or, or have to deal with when you are playing it. So I'm excited to play it, but... Uh, I feel like I have some other games I got to play first before that one comes out, which leads me to the next part is what are you playing right now? I know you just said PoE. Yeah, that's the main focus. I haven't really been playing anything else. Occasionally, you know, um, touch a little bit of Warhammer um, when I get bored or a little frustrated with PoE. Um, but yeah, mainly just Path of Exile. Yeah, and what have you been doing in Path of Exile? I know you tried to get me into it when the, the Hell patch kind of came out. Uh, and we were, you know, we were doing that for a little bit. I just can't get into it. I, I'm not an ARPG person. I don't know what it is. It's just not fun for me. Um, but what have you been doing in it? What are you looking forward to uh, having come out? Has anything come out recently that you're enjoying from playing it? Um, well, it's I'm just trying to optimize a couple of the builds I have going right now. Um, and then I've kind of planned out another one I want to do, um, because of the, the class ascendancy and all that. And it seems really fun. Um, I've taken a look at some videos of people playing the skill I want to pick and, um, it pretty fast, um, deals pretty good damage and all that, um, so I'm kind of bouncing between the current character I'm playing, which is a like a, a dot-based occultist. Um, and I'm just trying to optimize her gear to make her as, as best as I can. Um, and then I'm going to slowly work myself. As as stuff comes, you know, as drops happen and all that, um, work towards that other build. And, right. uh, and then just keep going and... You know, I have a couple, there's a few other builds I'm thinking about too, but um, one really relies on me getting this specific item uh, six linked and that fucking thing, despite it being like, so quality is a thing in the game. It's like you can quality up your weapons and armor and stuff. And um, normally the maximum is 20, but you can go beyond that up to 30 Um 
through the use of this uh, old past league mechanic that you still have access to. Um, and everything, every quality that you go up, or every percentage, it becomes easier to six link an item. And on average, six links, I think, I think it takes 1500 uh, orbs of fusing. That's just like the rest because you can, you can force it, but you have to have 15 or 1500 orbs of fusing to force it. Um, so I, I'm, I'm assuming that's like the average. I don't think that might not necessarily be the case, but anyways, so sometimes you six link on your first orb of fusing. Sometimes you six link it on your sixth. Sometimes it takes 500. Um, this fucking thing I've spent like, I think 2000 orbs of fusing on it and it just refuses to fucking six link. Six link. So it's like, if, if I can get that going, so I'm not even like wasting it, um, the orbs on it anymore. Um, I'm just, Every time I, I happen to get a free one from this other league mechanic, I'm trying to use it. But yeah, no luck so far. Yeah, that all sounds very confusing, and it sounds like <laughs> I, I wish I could understand it, but I just I can't. I just can't get into the damn game. I really wish I could. I tried, but it's just it's not for me. But it also sounds like some of it's a like partway uh, second job. Like <laughs> it should do. I, I guess I guess you can. I mean, in some sense, you can say that um, it isn't really because I mean you're just playing the game, and then that stuff comes to you. Um, if and then with me playing solo cell found, it's like you know I can't trade with anyone and all that. Um, so it's all I, I have to get it myself, and so it's just it work. You know, it's just work getting to that point. And then I mean, I from all the past leagues I played, I have a whole bunch of gear and stuff I can use. Um, I have my character who's strong enough to kill all the in-game bosses and whatnot, so um, it's just a matter of time before I get the the necessary drops or the the luck needed to roll my gear the way I need it to be rolled. Right. That's fair. I have been playing a lot of Warhammer since it came out, uh, and I've been kind of bouncing between that and Cyberpunk. Cyberpunk just had its patch 1.5 come out, about a week or two ago, and I decided to jump back in. I just beat it again back in December when I was taking my vacation. But now with the new stuff added, the next-gen update released. I've been playing it, and I've been having a lot of fun with it. Um, you know, That's one of those things where you know we're just talking about Warhammer 3 not feeling like a finished game. Like Cyberpunk, every time they release these updates, starts to feel like it's getting more and more of the stuff that should have been there on release because that's the stuff that was promised for us. Uh, no DLC yet, but just having some of this stuff in the game does make it feel like it's a more complete game from uh, when it came out. So I, I've been enjoying that. I've been enjoying the character that I've been playing. How's the uh, stability on it now? Stability feels great, but you know, on PC, I never had a stability issue in general. Uh, I've tried to play with RTX on, and it gets a little laggy a little bit. Like, I can't go 60 frames per second. But if I turn that off, I could play... On psycho settings for everything and it's it's perfect you know, i don't really have oh, any issues okay. but overall the game feels really really good so i don't know i i left a review for it on steam the other day and i kind of said is it the game i wanted you know when it came out uh no but do i think it can become that game i think so but it's really hard to erase the the taste of shit tasting marketing that everybody was fed 
Yeah, exactly. Which is really too bad because they they knew what they had on their hands. They knew everybody was looking forward to it, and it was the game that was going to release after they released one of the most popular games in the last 10 years. It's kind of crazy to think that in three years, The Witcher 3 will be 10 years old. Um, that is not damn. Yeah, but it doesn't play like that at all. That's one of those games that'll be... It's like any game that we, it's like Morrowind, it's timeless. Like, yeah, it's old and yeah, you have to optimize it a little bit, but it's timeless when you go and you play it, right? So, and Cyberpunk was not that from the get-go, unfortunately. I wish it was, but it's not. So, you know, but again, it is getting better. And I think with DLCs, it'll get better. And I think they're going to continue to add content that's going to make the game better. I... One of the things that frustrates the living hell out of me about these games, though, is that you, know, you make a game in the game industry with money that you've made off making previous games or off you know something else, whatever, history, right? I don't know if people would agree with me on this, but if I could pay ahead of time for a game like some of these Kickstarter games are like, I don't know, not necessarily as a pre-order, but I guess it kind of would be like you're investing money. So you're going to get a copy of the game, but you're getting an investment. Like The game's not going to be ready for five years. If I could give like if in 2012, CDPR was like, hey, pay us 60 bucks now. This is the game. We'll give you regular updates and all that. Like and you'll get the game when it comes out for, you know, that 60 bucks. And maybe you'll have your name and some credits or something like that. Then I would absolutely do it. Because I don't know if their problem was money. I doubt it was money. I think it was just timing and things not being ready. And from what I understand from the way the whole process played out was that they had a game they had in mind and then executives kind of wanted a little bit different stuff. And that's where the whole Keanu thing came in. Uh, And that kind of changed some of the story up a little bit. I don't know that for sure, but that's what I've read and what I've heard. why the story sometimes feels a little mismatched on occasion i don't know i don't know i do know that i'm kind of tired of paying full price for games then being broken and then like three years later them being in a wonderful state and they're great when it's like well then why didn't you just release this game three years later or is it the fact that you didn't know that you needed to release the game three years later because your your quality assurance was so bad because you don't pay for a good quality assurance department because it's hard to hire people to play video games to test bugs all day because, you know, it's not uh, it's not a great paying job. It's kind of a stepping stone into that industry from what I understand, from what I've read. I don't know, but it seems like it's much easier to get your paid beta testers after your game is released. I don't know. Well, yeah, that's basically how it works right now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't, like, with how, again, how they are right now, um, and then just the track record on on certain kickstarters i wouldn't be willing to pay in advance for a you know just a promise from a company um but no i I mean i understand that's why i've somewhat uh, adopted a whole just don't buy the game on release or you know or just wait for reviews at least right um and then like um uh, it might help. It might happen with Elden Ring. I mean, depending on you know what I play, I may you know soon here I may end up going on a whole bender of old you know JRPGs or something, which is going to take me a long time to go through all of them. Um, 
So it's like I may wait until Elden Ring's on sale to eventually pick it up, you know? And then when all the DLC comes out for it, which I'm sure there'll be DLC for it. Um, so it's like, eh, I, I, I think it's more now given how seemingly shittily, shittily uh, some of these companies do their business. You know, it's better just to wait um, and pick something up. I mean, there's tons of really fun looking indie games that are coming out and all that. So it's probably better just to you know spend your money there where you get a, a decent product or something that's a little more understandable that it's not at the polish that it should be, um, as opposed to a, a fucking company with you know millions and billions of dollars at their disposal. Yeah. And yet they you know they screw up on you know releasing their shit. Yeah, I agree. I, I really wish um I don't know. I, I kind of wish companies would wait, but I know, especially when they're publicly traded companies, they have deadlines and, and shareholders and all that that they have to answer to, which is why I think we get so many products that are released. There's that big boost for that one quarter, right? Where it's like, oh, we made so much money. But then people who buy the product are pissed because it's, it sucks. It's not great, you know? Uh, Blizzard's got had kind of like the best <laughs> market on it because... You know, I mean, apart from losing subscribers, they're making money every quarter. They're making money every month. Yeah. Versus, you know, CDPR, where it's like, well, we've only released two games in the last 10 years. Is that fair to say? 2015 and, and 2020? Yeah, actually, now that you mentioned it, yeah. Like, it has been a long time yeah. Um, yeah. between The Witcher and then uh, Cyberpunk. Yeah. I, I, yeah. So, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't like. But no, I understand. Like I'm becoming a little more jaded when it comes to the, the, the industry. So I'm more focused. It's like, okay, I have all these games that I can still play. You know, I'm still modding the shit out of Morrowind, modding the shit out of Skyrim. Um, I've been, you know, picking up stuff to emulate like all day. Um, so yeah, I'd rather go back and play some of these other games that I know I have fun with and are, you know, actual completed products uh, as opposed to buying something and then being a, a paid in beta tester for it until, you know, it's finally working the way it should be. Or sometimes it doesn't even get to that point. You know, I feel like I keep falling into those traps with the companies, you know, as they release them because there's so much hype behind it. It almost makes me kind of wish for the days where we didn't know when a game was coming out at all. And there was no news surrounding it. Yeah, yeah. People didn't get early copies or anything like that just because, like, maybe that would lessen the impact of companies really needing to market the way they market. You know, because marketing and development are, this is a very easy thing to say, but people I don't think still understand it. They think they understand it, but they don't is that marketing is very different from game development and the things you see in marketing, which get you to buy it, you know, are trying to put, you know, silk hats on a turd for the most part. Basically, they did it with yeah. cyberpunk and like even, and I fall prey to it too. Like I fell prey to it with cyberpunk and, you know, I, as I said, I enjoyed the game. I ran into bugs with it, but the optimization was fine for the most part, but I don't want to sit here making excuses. There's other games that I bought that have been like complete trash when they came out. Some of them I've refunded and some of them I'm not. Like any sports game that you pick up is usually really bad when it comes out, but it stays that way. 
because guess what? They're working on the next sports game. They're not worried about the one that you're playing right now. So, right. Yeah. So that's that's a problem, and I don't know. I, that's one of the things that makes me sad about gaming as a hobby is that it, shit just isn't freaking done, you know? It, it, it needs to really be done if you're going to release something and you're going to call it good, but it, it, it's not good. That's why I think I had mentioned to you... Um, you know, something as you may want to consider is um, building a rig like just specifically to play like emulators. Right. Um, like run, run it off, you know, Windows 7 or something. Um, or I guess Linux and then, you know, do a, a VM of 7. But I think you have to like get a second video card for that. So that may not be worth it. Um, but having a system that you're just running that's specifically for emulation and you can run all your, all these old games so that, you know, you just wait until a game looks like it, it's actually going to be, you know, what it's promised to be. Right. And then you buy it, you know, or you wait for it to go on sale and then you purchase it. That's the interesting thing about, uh, you know, we could get into this another time too, but about all these games getting their re-releases and their remasters, like are you know, when the Grand Theft Auto remaster came out for uh, three Vice City and San Andreas, they pulled the old ones. They weren't on Steam. They're back on mm-hmm. Steam now because the backlash was so bad, but they pulled them. It makes me kind of worry about if, uh, you know, the new Knights of the Old Republic remaster comes out. Are they going to get rid of one or worse? Are they going to get rid of two? Like, we already own them, but like for people who don't, like, that would be awful. Like, that would be absolutely terrible. Yeah. Like, those things are I, I timeless can... masterpieces. I could see them doing that um, since, the, you know, that's that's seemingly the track record now is like, okay, you release a, re- a re-remaster um, or remaster, whatever. I don't know what the hell I just said, but you release that and then it's okay. So now you, you get rid of the original. Um, so it's not competing, right? Because obviously it's it's up in price, right? You know, so you might be having something that's like only $20, $10, but now you can sell it for 40 or 50 bucks. Right. Um, or even $60, depending on what it is. Um, and then it's like, well, you know, instead of having the old one compete with it, it's like, okay, you just don't give people the options, so you get rid of it. Right. Um, exactly. I, I bet you that's probably going to be the case with the Dead Space remake that's coming out. I hope not. Um, I mean, I'm glad that I, I believe I own it on GOG. Um, I need to actually download it right. um, and have a, an actual copy um sitting somewhere so that you know in the event that they do something similar and then i don't have access i mean i uh, i don't think i've ever had that happen to me i don't know about you where you know you bought the original they do a remaster and then they take the, the original off um but they don't remove the original um i think dark souls actually is a perfect example i still have the original dark souls um despite the fact that you know the the newer one's out um, so they didn't like take it away from you. Right. Um, I have had that happen once though. Um, and I keep needing to contact steam about it. Cause there was one game that I bought on steam. Um, and then there was like this whole legal issue with it that steam couldn't sell it. And then it's, and steam shouldn't remove it from your library, but it's not in my library. Um, I need to get clarification with that, with that because I, I, the other day, I was like, oh, I kind of want to play it. And I was like trying to find it. I'm like, what the hell? It's gone. So um, I know there's another way to get it uh, through uh, the company's like forums. But um, 
if I can just get it on Steam again, I'd rather have it there. But yeah. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. And I'm worried shit like that could happen too. I don't know if 2K did that with uh, Bioshock because I have the originals and I have the remastered versions. If I remember correctly, what they did was that they allowed you to, or they gave you the original version when you bought the remastered, but that may not be the case anymore. I don't know. But I have the originals in my library. Yeah, I still have the originals too. I, I think they um, I think they gave me the the remasters actually. Maybe it was that. I can't Yeah, remember. like like if I had the originals, they just gave me the remasters, which is um that's how it should be. It's that's it the best be, way to do it. Yeah, it shouldn't be taking that shit away from me. Yeah. Or like from software that charged for the longest time forty dollars for the Dark Souls one remaster and it never went on sale. I think last year is the first time I've ever seen it on sale. That's when I picked it up. Play it. Yeah, I um, mean, it, it, it like since I I had the original, it was on sale like the entire time for me, and they were constantly reminding me that like it's gonna go off sale soon. You know, if you want to pick it up, I'm like, no, it's <laughs> like I'll, I'll just I'll wait till it goes even further on sale and yeah. then I'll pick it up. And then it never did until it finally did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, so that's what we're playing right now, and of course we the side part into games industry which is going to happen a lot because the industry is a very weird industry um filled with problems and filled with good things too not everything is always bad when it comes to games sometimes things get released it's just uh there are things get released that are really good unfortunately it seems like most of these days it's the indie games not the games that come out with huge ridiculous budgets which is i don't know not necessarily backwards to me but there's a lot more diamonds that come out of the adversity of having to be an indie game developer than there are uh, companies that have billions or well at least millions upon millions of dollars that can fund these games and for whatever reason either don't listen to their fan base or feel like their only objective is to make money and to, <laughs> the famous line is turn players into payers yeah I hate that line but it is so true but we'll move on from that from now. We'll discuss it another time. What I want to do in this last segment we have here is uh, pick a game playthroughs. And that's where you and I will select a game for each other to pick and play. And I get the feeling I already know which one you're going to pick because we've kind of talked about it. But what we'll do is we will pick a game for each other to play. And the next time we come back, we will update each other on it. Um, what we think of it, if we like it whatever the case may be. And we'll continue to do that from episode to episode until you know one person beats the game and then we'll pick a new set of games. We'll basically pick a game after whatever game that is has been completed. Just gonna throw it in with the regular routine um, for playing other games, you know, we'll pick times to play it. But I'm gonna let you go first and pick the game you want me to play. Now I would have said POE, but you were giving that a shot. Um, so, I say um, do Bloodborne and it's DLC. Okay. All right. I mean, I've never... So, I've played it off and on, but I've never really played it. So, you know, we're going to go ahead and give it a real shot this time and try to beat it. I have beaten Dark Souls 3. I beat that two years ago, and then I beat Dark Souls 1 for the first time last year. I was trying Sekiro a little bit today. I'm still trying to get used to it. I like from software games. It's just really difficult for me to continue getting into them, but it's so satisfying when you're finally through the whole thing. So, Bloodborne, it is for me. I hadn't really thought about it all that much, to be honest with you, but I did think of a couple ideas before we were getting on because I knew I was going to have to pick something for you. And 
I was going to look through my library just real quick as we were talking to kind of see, but I have a couple ideas and most of them are simple and they're, they're cheap. Um, I don't know. Did you ever play Frostpunk? Uh, no, I do. I, I think I bought Frostpunk. Let me see. No, I didn't. You didn't. You didn't. I think. But no, I, that's the like the city manager one, right? A little bit, yeah. It's a city manager, but it's like a like a city manager survival game. Yeah, yeah, it's it's all fucked up. So there was that one I was thinking about. The the other one I was thinking of actually comes from the same studio, and that's this war of mine. And I feel like that one's pretty topical with what's going on in the the world right now. But it's also <laughs> yeah. it's, it's it's a pretty. I mean, it's. A lot of people like review it, say like, oh, it's so sad. It's, it's like, it is sad, but I would say, I think you would prefer to start this war of mine. So if you have it or you could pick it up, like that would be a game I think you would enjoy. It's a survival game. Don't get any workshop stuff for it uh, because I think you'll appreciate the difficulty of it and play that. And then, you know, tell me about uh, what you think about that game. Cause I think that is something you'll really enjoy. When I picked it up, I didn't know what to expect. I got it on a sale. And I ended up having a whole heck of a lot of fun with it because it is like it's difficult. It's a survival game, and you know it's a lot of fun. So. Oh, so like it has um, uh, it's like the final cut, so it has everything on it too. So yeah, I'll probably end up picking this one up then. Excellent. Oh, they're doing a Frostpunk too now, huh? Yeah, I'm excited for that. I was actually going to go back and play Frostpunk the other day, but I uh, I haven't had time and i have to like go through the tutorial so i can remember how to play it again because it seems i mean it's such a fun game like i really enjoy it but you have to make a lot of tough decisions and to be honest i think one of the ways the developers made it is that they kind of made it to where if you want to get through all the way some of the stories you absolutely have to make some really shitty decisions like i felt like uh the first time i beat it i basically felt like hitler <laughs> at the end of it like i felt like i was leading a group of nazis and i was justifying it by saying we have to get through this fucking winter if we don't get through this winter like it's not going to matter we're all going to die right. and by the end of it you make it through the winter and you realize like i've had employees working crazy overtime hours at night just to keep the goddamn heat on and keep power on for everybody and uh my society is based around order and work right yes yeah. oh my god so that would be another one i recommend but for now i'm going to say this war of mine just because it's topical and i think you'd have a lot of fun with it so all right now that we got that out of the way i think we're done i think we're done